Hey everybody, uh, how's it going? Wanted to say hello. And uh, this intro is a little bit different this time because me and Josh are doing them separately. Uh, so we were going to do the thing where it's like, oh, maybe I'll tell a story and then you can like record like yourself doing reactions um, and we can splice those in. But that, would, that just seemed unnatural. It didn't seem like we'd be able to, you know, pull that off and have it seem natural. So we're going to go ahead and skip that. Oh, wow. How interesting. And we're going to move right to the, uh, the interview. Uh, so this interview is with Bert of Hoover 3. Really cool dude. It was really nice to get to talk to him and get to know him a little bit and hear about their tour. <laughs> well, that is quite a pinch. How did you get out of that one? And uh, yeah, so hope you guys have been enjoying the interviews. If there's anybody that you want us to uh, try and track down, please let us know uh, through our socials. Um, yeah, it's at first names is a band. Josh will probably get into it in his little segment here. Uh, just wanted to, uh, yeah, say thanks for listening and love you guys. We'll uh, talk to you soon. All right. Bye. This episode is brought to you by a band, and that band is called First Names. In fact, all the music on this episode is theirs. And by theirs, I mean ours. It's Shelby and I's band, First Names. It's on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, Bandcamp, all the music places. And our main space for our digital connectivity is our Instagram, at First Names is a band. So connect with us there. Uh, we are a band, first and foremost. But we do enjoy doing this podcast show. So if you have any recommendations of guests you'd like to see on, let us know. Hit us up in the comments or leave us a DM and we will do our best to get them. We'll do the legwork, the email work, whatever kind of work goes into getting people on the show. But without further ado, I do think you're going to enjoy the show today and let's get to it. How are you doing? How's it going? Oh, uh, good. We're just in this like one week limbo between tours where we're where we're just rehearsing because uh, we have uh, for Europe we have a little like bandmate switch out, so we're we're just like rehearsing every morning basically. Um, so that's where I'm coming from right now. It's just a rehearsal. Cool. Where do you guys rehearse? <clears throat> There's a. Uh, like a lockout spot called Black Diamond out here that a bunch of oh, bands cool. were at. Yeah. So tell us about tour. I mean, I feel like you just hit a bunch of like U.S. cities, and now you, and then you just did Europe, or you're about to do Europe. We're about to do Europe. Okay, and that's why the band switch out. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah, who's if you don't mind me asking, who who's switching out? Because uh, I mean, it could be like a really big challenge to get like a whole new guitar player up to date or a whole new, I saw you had a saxophone at one point. Yeah. Um, so the guy who played keys on our last tour, who's usually the saxophone guy, he is playing bass in Europe because our bassist has like kind of other obligations mm -hmm. and, uh, sort of normal synth guy who couldn't make the u.s tour is coming back for europe it's convoluted uh but that's pretty much all we're doing and we have two shows that we're playing without a drummer so today was drum machine rehearsal oh, oh wow. wow 
But that's kind of your specialty, right? I mean, you started with the drum machine. Yeah, like older songs are definitely easier to adapt. The newer ones are a little more difficult because they're a little more nuanced. And I don't know, trying to like figure all that out in two days is is uh, daunting. Yeah, I can't even imagine what. So when you're playing live with just a drum machine, like what are you just like queuing it up, and then you guys are all playing to clicks and and or how does that work? I mean, it's, it's way way less complicated than that we i usually i just bring a drum machine and i just run it through like a tuner pedal to like start and stop it like uh but as of like flying and everything we're bringing like a a 909 like a little programmable guy um which just like breaks my brain um so we basically have one beat we've programmed that we're just adjusting the tempo for for every song give or take um okay i mean that's kind of it drum machine wise like i think it's going to be a much looser kind of more like jammy sort of set as opposed to like our standard thing that we'll be doing with the full band cool i think anytime i see people utilize a drum machine especially effectively i don't know why that just like doesn't compute in my brain i'm like how do you get it to you know i'm sure it's fairly simple but i don't know like um it just seems like a difficult it same thing with like a looping pedal to me it's like staying right on that and all that well these like 909s they you like record them to a click so i mean it's it's pretty tough to to mess up that except that I just like don't know how to do it because I'm like technology inept. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know the feeling. Uh, So like uh, I just get one rhythm in there and then just mess with the tempo. And I mean, really it's, it's a tough thing to play to sometimes, but it's just gotta be loud. And then it's fine. Do you like go down the rabbit hole with like tone when it comes to that stuff, like live, or do you care that much? No, I'm, I want to get something close to like, like a Casio, that's like my favorite kind of drum beat or okay. like a drum machine, drum beat sound. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not too particular about that kind of stuff. Yeah. Sometimes I listen to like, yeah, pre-programmed drum stuff and I'm like, damn, this is like amazing tone. Like, I don't I listened to, uh, there was uh like, there's this video of Tame Impala doing, um, uh fuck what's that song called the, the cover they did yeah the cover of uh girl like you um anyways uh and the tone on the drum machine i was just like holy shit like this sounds awesome but i don't know i i never dived deep into the electronic drum stuff but some of it's like really cool to me i just yeah well, like big black like steve albini stuff like has like really crazy drum machines and um yeah, I mean, you can have a lot of fun with it. I have my favorite thing. We we would do this every now and then with this band. Like we do like a, a version that's like all like keys and drum machine. And uh, I have like a Hammond auto vary that like sits on top of an organ, mm-hmm. uh, like a big piece of furniture. And that thing's my favorite. Like it has just, it's so like fat sounding. And yeah. it's like the, I think it's the dead dude, Timmy Thomas. It's like a organ player guy. I think he uses all that Hammond stuff, but yeah, it's just a great sounding drum machine. Cool. Yeah. 
So when you were first starting with a, a drum machine, um, was it Casio when you first started like making your first record? No, it was a Yamaha something. I, f- I forget the name. It was a drum machine I borrowed from a friend who, who I since had to give it back. So you just borrowed it, made an album, and then you're like, here, you can have it back. Yeah, well, I played shows with it. I had it until he moved uh, okay. pretty much. Yeah, and... Um, then when he moved, I gave it back to him. But uh, I'm, in that time, I started like kind of like collecting my own stuff. Um, I have a Univox that I really like. That's like kind of the most portable. Um, pretty standard guy. But yeah, and sometimes like I have like one, you know, various Casios with with the drum machines built into them. I don't really know anything about drum machines, honestly. He's Shelby here is a drummer, and so like I've I've never had to use a drum machine, luckily. But uh, I I know that you you started with the drum machine, and that just like kind of blows my mind. As far as like, did you play a show with just you to a drum machine, and then did you have like backing tracks? Like, what was that like? No, it was way way more minimal. Uh, the early version of the band was me, a drum machine, and my buddy Eric who played bass and we both had like basement 100s uh and that was it and then we our buddy jeff started playing synth and then over time it just you know became more of like a band kind of um but yeah i mean it was way more garagey less like um i'm not like a back and track guy i'm not really unless it's like a drone or something i I can vibe with that but i kind of like if i like things to be more minimal and less like a little more loose less to uh like i feel like when you have backing tracks you kind of have to like you know abide by them and you can't really diverge and i don't know i've always felt like that I like things to be a little looser and a little more, more open. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Cause I would imagine the temptations there since, you know, it could be, you know, honestly just a lot cheaper, just like not having real musicians with you. I feel like that's why a lot of people do it, you mm-hmm. know, and we're, we're a two piece band. And like, we, we've, I've been tempted before to being like, Oh, we could have like, you know, big bass up here. It could like sound, you know, bigger. We could, Oh, I really like that lick that's on the track and it'd be cool if that was there live. But, but yeah, we, we've resisted the, the, uh, the temptation to, to go back in tracks. Not that I'm knocking anybody who does it, but no, I can no. imagine someone like you who's touring around to like maybe be tempted to do that sort of thing. It, it really depends on the type of music you're, you're trying to play really. Like I just saw Jeff, the brotherhood recently and, it was just like guitar through a bass amp and a guitar amp. And it was just like loud as shit. And like, yeah, I mean, it would have been cool to like see a more full band version of that, but it was just as cool. Like, you know, with the two piece and sometimes the limitations make things more interesting live. It doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be the same. It kind of is almost like a, I mean, I think separating the live and the um, recorded version is cool. Like I like going to see a show and it's like, oh, they did this. It's different. Like I don't want it to be exactly like the recording. And so I think when when you are limited, it's almost like you're forced to do that. And it, and it kind of like makes it 
you know, like, oh, well, it's different because it has to be different. There's no option for us to play all these parts. Yeah, um, totally. <clears throat> uh, and like, you know, our bassist is like learning all of these complicated bass lines to play with like the full band. And then like today's rehearsal was like, okay, you're going to do like the opposite and you're going to play as minimal as possible or else it mm. sounds like, like you need something to like kind of like push with the drum machine or else things can get kind of like washed out and lost. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's where my brain's at right now. Um, but yeah, we're, we only have two drum machine shows to stress about. And then after that, it's back to back to business as usual, which is, should be exciting. We've been busting our ass to get this new, I mean, semi new lineup going for Europe. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And you're touring with mud honey, right? Yeah. We're doing like, uh, like a week with mud honey. That's exciting. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Uh, yeah, Mark Arm lives the dream, man. He just makes a record and then uh, tours it and then goes back to work at Sub Pop, which is just tight. He just works in the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's sweet. So, supposedly, yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I want to talk about your new album, but like you're, I'm, I'm just interested in the conception of the band. When there's a lot of people, I feel like just wanting to start a band and wanting to be in it, and who's just waiting for the right people to come along. Maybe they're posting on Craigslist. Who knows? But but you just taking the initiative of like doing it even before the people come, like kind of having that faith of, oh, if I make the music, the musicians will come. That uh, did you yeah. did you uh, you know like what what inspired that? Was it some other solo artist that you were you know like I think of like Tame Impala, like the big ones, but. Was there anybody that you were inspired by? Um, well, mostly it, it happened out of necessity, I guess. Like uh, I was in another band and I kind of want, I needed like an outlet for myself. Like the band I was in uh, was not like, I wasn't the primary songwriter. I was kind of more like on, on the fringe of things, which was good for that band, but I needed for myself, like, like kind of an outlet and, pretty much it was just like like an exercise of i would write all the songs kind of on the spot and uh and just like record over them if i wanted to change something or uh so that's how like the first pretty much the first like all the tapes are like that until we we jumped into like a lot like our band i i just did everything like in the moment while recording and and would just like do it over and over again until I had a version of it that I liked. Um, and I never really thought about, like I had like ideas of it would be cool to do this like a full band or to play with people, but I never really like was that ahead with it. Um, it kind of just happened uh, naturally. Like, you know, we got some shows, so show offers that were like, well, maybe maybe we try it with the full band maybe blah 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 is down and blank is down or and so on um plus like the drum machine shows are a roll of the dice like it really depends where you're playing and who's doing sound like yeah. you're you're in a lot of other people's hands then i used to bring like um like an sv like a half an svt cab um 
and like to just like really boost out the drum machine sound yeah just so i had like maximum control i never right. relied on on a pa for that like because mm-hmm. the last drum machine show we played before i guess the more recent ones uh the last one like years ago uh we like blew the pa in the second song and that was like show was over you know yeah. uh so what can you do you know uh that's yeah, it just kind of at that point it was like well like i'd rather not deal with this headache and lug all of this gear and you know it might be more fun to try something different and hear the songs with like an actual band and then that happened and here we are cool i, I uh so as far as like it seems like you just were kind of like picking people up as you went and, and it just kind of naturally transformed into this like six piece um, band here. I think it's interesting because I feel like just like through that process, you probably learned so much about like, I don't know, like uh, putting out fires live and everything. Like I'm sure there's like a lot of things that go on when you have, especially when it's like, I'm the only guy who can figure this out right now. Um, but I, I'm a little curious about, so you started, it was just you, then you're picking people up and you guys have been playing for quite a while now. And I'm wondering, is there any moment that happened along the way where it really felt like you were starting to get traction and like really get things going? Or was it just like, has it just been like a really natural, gradual thing? Um, it, when we were doing like the early drum machine stuff, uh, it did, there was definitely like kind of like not like this is like s- s- being successful but it was more like oh like compared to other bands i'd been in like people seem to really like this at least like friends and and colleagues and whatnot like it was like mm-hmm. oh cool like getting positive reactions and then then like i went off and, and did another project and kind of didn't revisit it until much later until it kind of more became like a, a band band. Um, but I mean, I've been really lucky with the people that I've played with where I, like I've, I haven't really ever been in a situation where like I need to resolve something like mid set on stage or whatever, you know, like everyone's okay. been a pretty great player. And, and a lot of what, what I like to do is just kind of rely on, on the band, you know, I, I prefer to be the weakest link in the situation. Um, yeah. And I have been lucky to, to have it have been like that thus far. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it really this past year is the first time things have felt like, like they're moving in the right direction. It's kind of hard to say like things like, kexp that we just did and like you know we're being played on kcrw a bunch and there's like things like that that are like validation or like mm-hmm. you know playing playing third man like yeah having people actually show up to your shows in places you've mm-hmm. never played. like that's that's cool shit and it definitely feels like something's working uh it's easy to get caught up in that and trying to uh, just sort of enjoy things as they come. You know, the mud honey stuff is cool and all the shows we have coming up are, are really exciting, but uh, yeah, it feels like just now things are kind of, kind of rolling. I think it's been, 
I'm sure if like you look at things with hindsight, like there's like a, it's a small slope. Mm -hmm. I feel like with, with a lot of musicians, it's like 10 years of like working your ass off. Yeah. Get any sort of like momentum or anything. And, you know, I, I have the label to thank a lot for that. Um, I mean, without them, who knows where we'd be and without like the people I've played with and stuff. So it's kind of, kind of, we'll see, you know, yeah. it'd be like a really cool three months and then, you know, <laughs> who knows? And then we, we put out like a bummer record and yeah, <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. I guess you never know. I don't just got to take advantage of, I guess, people paying attention and do as much as you can while you can. Yeah, dude, that's like such a, I feel like poignant thing right now because all of a sudden it feels like, I mean, shit, like I'm not on a big label or anything like that, but it feels like even like these artists on huge labels are like, okay, like figure it out, do something on your Instagram, go viral or whatever. Like, yeah. cap, like speaking on capitalizing on people's attention, it's almost like all of a sudden there's this pressure to like create something and just always be like in people's heads all the time. Like, do you got, do you pay attention to that at all? Are you thinking about it? Yeah, no, totally. Um, it, it's kind of frustrating now the way like, I feel like I just figured out Instagram and I feel like now it's different. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I'm kind of like, I feel too much like an old man to to get on the TikTok train. I feel like that's that's like a fleeting moment. Right, right. If you're, if you're trying to jump on something, then you're already too late. Um. But who knows? Uh, yeah, I'm my I'm I'm kind of romantic to the record cycle. Mm -hmm. Like I, I really like it. Uh, I find I find it really old school. Like make a record, put out a record, tour the record, make a record, put out a record, tour the record. Right. Like you know, the, so many bands. Because so many contemporary bands like these days are kind of running with that model and doing fun things with it. Like, I mean, King Gizzard is the kind of the wildest example of like, I mean, they're about to put out three records next month, which is mm -hmm. yeah, insane. I mean, yeah, I don't, that's, that's a different kind of uh, output, but yeah. you know, I want pretty much, we're already done with, we're, I would say we're almost done with record four. Uh, and hopefully that'll come out next year. And I, I just want to be able to put out a record a year and, and tour off it. Like, that's all I really, that's yeah. my goal. Um, not so much concern. And I think if you do that, you'll generate enough, like just natural, I don't know. Hype is not the word, but like momentum. Yeah, momentum, I guess. Uh, I'm trying to figure out ways to avoid like being a slave to like the social media game. Sure, yeah. You know, bands were doing it for so long before we had Instagram. Uh, there's got to still be ways to like, mm -hmm. you know, get yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like a weird territory now because it's also like, you know, we're in this thing that no one's ever been before. So we might look back on it and be like, dude, that was crazy. I can't believe we were doing that. And, or it might be like, oh yeah, this is how it should have been always. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Time will only tell. Mm -hmm. That's beyond me. Speaking to the, the thing you said about like, like, okay, so King is and like output those guys, I mean, everybody on flight list, it seems like 
you know, they're in seven bands and they're putting out tons of records. We talked to Zach from Traffic Island and I, uh, so I kind of want to like pose this question, same question to you. Like, so you're working with all these different people in this band and I think no matter how many people you're working with, there's always some sort of internal pressure to like put out music. Mm-hmm. What is that like? Is there some sort of like, okay, this person's working on a song, this person's working on a song. I feel like I got to be working on a song. Is there anything that you guys kind of feed off each other as far as like making stuff and feeling pressure to make stuff in a good way, I guess? Well, with each record, it's been kind of different. Um, like first record was us reworking older songs primarily. Second record was like pretty much written two weeks before recording because of just a time crunch. Mm-hmm. Third record, we had a ton of time because of COVID and everything. So we like really demoed it. And I mean, but songwriting wise, it's primarily me coming up with like the skeletons and then to everyone else kind of like adding things. And with this fourth record is similar to the second. We just kind of like, I had a group of songs and then I booked studio time and we just rehearsed like twice before that and went in and recorded. I, I like, I like being creative in the recording process and I like kind of writing under the gun. I'm, I'm not like, I'm not really into taking too much time with things. I tend to like start to overanalyze and burn out on stuff. I kind of have to like finish the thing while it's in the forefront of my mind. And I'm we've already been sitting on record four, in my opinion, for too long without finishing it because now I'm having all like these weird anxieties with things that don't really mean anything and that only matter in my brain. And, and I'm like trying yeah. to to configure things and reorder track listing and I don't know, uh, just having too much time to sit with something can be dangerous. Uh, totally. But yeah, no, it's it's really, it's just, me coming up with the basic stuff obviously like there are moments in which we're all creative together and we're jamming together and and that's that's how it's not like just me coming in and being telling people what to do like i'm kaz the the main bassist he like writes like all the bass parts and like you know whoever's playing guitar is writing the guitar parts and whoever's this and we're all kind of working through these like blueprints together you know, but everyone in that process is creative in their own sense. You know, it's yeah. not, I, I'm not like dictating. Right on. It's very collaborative. Yeah. yeah. I, cool. So how do you, how do you go with the, uh, the mixing and the mastering and like, I don't know how involved do you like to be in the, the recording process from like mic placement to, you know, everything else? Um, I would say like all the technical stuff is a can can go a little over my head um Mm. i'm like when i record and demo at home i have like a little studio in my garage here and uh i like will sometimes just do everything direct into the tape machine out of laziness Mm. and and for me it's like more about like capturing a vibe and like do i like the energy of this thing then like is this sound good enough to put out you know right so the studio we've been going to the same guy for like the past, like four years or so. And it's been a great experience. And so he, this guy, Mark Reigns, uh, he is just an incredible engineer and producer. And we've been really lucky to work with him 
I know he's really mellow, but but like we kind of just like trust him and we'll like, you know, fuck with drum sounds till we get something we all kind of like. And, um, usually we, as a band, we kind of discuss like, what's the vibe of, of this record we're going to make. Like, so sometimes depending on the song or whatever, we'll, we'll tweak things a little bit differently, but really I'm, I'm not hands-on in terms of engineering, it mixing is different mixing. I like to let, uh, I like to let whoever's mixing it, take a stab first and then kind of go from there. I don't, I don't like to like necessarily breathe over somebody's shoulder if I don't have to mm-hmm. mastering. I really don't. I I'm like one of those guys on the internet who like, doesn't really understand mastering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I hear the difference and, uh, we were actually, I was working with this dude, Mike Young, for a long time, another Australian dude. Um, and he, it's like, he was in that band Total Control and he he does a lot of mastering. He's mastered most of our records and most of the things that I've done. Uh, and I've always just really like trusted and enjoyed his sound. And I, I haven't diverged in a long time, but for this round of applause, we went with this guy, Nick Townsend, through, through the label. And I got to say, man, that's like, this guy also cuts the records and stuff. So it's like a totally different process. And uh, it sounds great. It does. Yeah. Mikey's great. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with everything we've done so far. Uh, so yeah, but I'm, I'm hands off on that department. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's always interesting talking to artists and seeing like, at what level do they kind of let go of control? Cause we talk a lot about, you know, how much control, to have and how much control you want to have and when to give it up and who to give it up to. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So throughout your five studio albums, I noticed there was like um, mock records, permanent records, and now the Reverberation Appreciation Society. Um, nowadays, it's like a lot of artists are contemplating, should I be on a label? Should I not be on a label? How does it help? And so I know it's kind of anecdotal and there's a lot of variables of whether, you know, how it helps people or not help people. Um, but how has it helped you to be on a label? I know earlier you mentioned they've been helping a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, they just, I think money is a big thing that it's not, not, not a fun thing to talk about. And it's not that interesting, but, you know, having to not, have to pay for certain things out of pocket and having a label that's down to uh, work with PR that's down to like, you know, take risks on a seven inch and do things like that. Like, like that's the most helpful Avenue. And I mean, really it's like the people that we work with individually are like good people to collaborate with. So like on, I'm trying to to articulate this the best way. Uh, it it's really just like a it's a support thing. Uh, you have people who are like not only just like person to person, like encouraging and supportive, and like understanding to like what your intentions and goals are, and ha- having the same direction in mind. And then also having like the ability to 
get things to a place where otherwise we would not be able to reach, you know, this label like reverberation that's like so heavily connected with, I mean, obviously levitation is it's the same umbrella, the festival. And uh, so it, it definitely like opens doors to like all, all things kind of psych rock. Um, Mm -hmm. But really, it's just been like a really great collaborative process. I've always kind of wanted to, like, like I said, like I, I romanticize like the sort of like traditional record cycle, and there's something kind of fun about like working with the label, like uh, PR, and and doing like the rollout. Like I've, I'm kind of like mm-hmm. I enjoy that. Like it makes sense to my brain. Yeah. Um, and I, I was one of those kids who would like music would come out on on what was it like Tuesdays and like you'd get that new single and you'd be like, cool, there's going to be like another single in like another month. And like kind of just getting mm-hmm. stoked on bands that I grew up loving and like, kind of like, Oh, and then they're going to go on tour. And, you know, it's like, I know now it's, it's a little bit different because things are, can be so DIY and, and this is, there's so much music out there and there's so many bands and it, it's just like, it's inevitable that, that things are going to change, but it's been really great. And really it's, it's just the support. Like it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Nailed it. That was very eloquent. <laughs> yeah. <And> best. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not just sitting here being like, it's the money. Cause really we're making money. Everyone's probably losing money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, about like being in a band, man, it's just, it's weird. I don't even know when it flips over and it's always an interesting thing for me like cuz it feels like for so long of being in a band it's like I'm not making any money. I'm working this other job that I don't really like and I'm like losing money actively on this and I don't know if there's any like do you do you have did you have any like what are you were your thoughts on that as this thing has moved forward like has it just been like I just want to do this so I don't really it's not the biggest thing or has that been like a big thing to like, okay, I really kind of would love this to like flip over so I could make money on it. Well, you know, we're all dudes kind of entering our thirties or already in our thirties and money is definitely in the forefront of our minds. Like it's not a fun thing to talk about, but you know, we all want, like we all want this to be our jobs. Like, you know, uh, and if that happens like to where we we can quit our day jobs and, and do this like full time, that would be incredible. But right now it's, it's this weird middle period where like, if you want, if you maybe qualify to get to X, which you could do everything right and still never get there. It all depends on like thousands of contributing factors. Like, you know, I, I don't think there's a formula that equates success regardless of what TikTok thinks. <laughs> like, right. Um, we're just in this period where like the band is requiring f- almost full-time commitment right. from me and, and my colleagues. And, uh, but there's just mm, like no compensation, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, cool, need your time. But, you know, the, the trade-off isn't quite even. And it, it's this, this is a tough period to in a band that I'm sure, like, a bunch of people deal with. And um, 
yeah, it's just like, we'll see how long you can last, you know, how much like the, the good opportunities outweigh the sacrifice of, you know, slumming it for a month on tour, Mm -hmm. which that said, we're like far, we're not like slumming it, but you know, like it's, I would just like this to pay everyone's rent. Right. (laughs) You know, that's, that's all we want. And it's just this weird period where like, I don't know. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're going to have to take a quick pause here for our sponsors. Um, a round of applause LP splattered vinyl dish and sweet ass merch is available while supplies last. If you go to levitation.fm, that's right. Levitation.fm. Sorry, our sponsors won't get off our backs. Um, we think a lot about the importance of cultivating a creative community. And I know you said the, the label is like really supportive. Um, but do you use like the same people for like, um, posters and album art? Um, we already talked about like mixing and mastering or do you, do you try out different people all the time? Um, you know, I feel like we're now like up until this point, we've been like pretty consistent with artwork, with uh studio. Um, I try to like, if we're going to have someone do posters, I like for like tours and stuff, I try to have it consistent so that there's kind of like a flow to things. Um, but now I feel like with the next phase of the band, which is like record four or whatever, um, which is just, it's on the forefront of my mind because it's like what I'm working on right now. So I guess like, I don't want to derail things too hard from a round of applause, but we've been working with, uh, you pretty much yeah the same core people for a while and i think the band is we're we're ready to try something different and and to switch it up a little bit mm-hmm. uh we've been working with jesse fillingham this incredible artist and he's done the, fir- the first three records and a couple singles and i mean he's helped like establish an aesthetic for the band which is something that we always kind of wanted that like you know roger dean yes sort of relationship Mm -hmm. and i think we're we're gonna try switching it up going forward um i don't know what that entails um but i know record four we're, we're trying something different um but yeah i think it's important to have some consistency you know and not necessarily like about marketing your your stuff, but really it's, it's for me as like a fan, like I like to see the evolution of, of the artist, of the band, of, of the studio, like each record we've done has sounded better and better. And mm-hmm. the artwork is getting better and better. And it's cool to see the growth. And I like that changing it at this point is going to like signify like a different phase in the band, you know? Um, I, I like all that stuff. It's, it's fun to overthink about lore that no one else thinks about. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of interesting because, I mean, you can go how many different ways of like different levels of control when it comes to all those things, but being in a band, like, 
I think you don't really think about that it requires, yes, you have to make music and then record that music and then play that music live, but you also have to come up with all this other art surrounding it. It's not necessarily like, like if you're a painter, it's like, okay, I painted the thing, here's the thing. But like with music, it's like, okay, well, you guys need a music video now and you need album art and you yeah. need single art and all that stuff. And it's so, it's just interesting to see how different people attack that and how involved they want to be with that stuff. But videos are a little bit different of an animal. Like the, for, Water for the Frogs, my wife did a bunch of 16 millimeter videos for us. And uh, those are really cool. And then we we did one video with our buddy Odie, who we ended up working with on our C music video for off a round of applause. And um, I like that that process. I like thinking about those things more as like isolated, like mm-hmm. like this is a collaboration of our music and participation and your concept for like a short film, more or less like Mm -hmm. less than like, this is assets for Instagram, you know, like, yeah, Yeah. I don't really have any interest in, in that approaching things that way. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see what, what happens with things. I, yeah, I like to, I like discographies a lot and I like to kind of like go dive into discographies. I do the same Mm -hmm. with like, like filmmakers and stuff like that. It's just fun to like feel like the creative evolution and kind of trace moments in, in people's lives. It's it's interesting to me. Yeah. I read that uh, in your discography that you're, you consider this like your pop record, uh, a round of applause. And, you know, I'm unshamingly, I like pop stuff. So, sure. and no surprisingly, this is my favorite record from number <laughs> three so far. So, um, yeah, what do you think about that? And what do you think about, like, uh, we talked about the Black Angels, we talked to the Black Angels recently, and oh, they cool. were talking about how, you know, their newer music has, um, from their from their upcoming uh, album, they talked about how they're making music with more pop sensibility than they have in the past, and how the pop can have this negative connotation to it um even though it just means you know it might be catchy or a lot of people like it but yeah what do you think about this being your your pop record so far um yeah i mean it's kind of i feel like we're on the same page in terms of like what we define as like pop music like i mean we're not making uh you know uh it's a leah record i don't even know if that's pop but like uh (laughs) I just, and we're not making some like bombastic mainstream music. Uh, and uh, I don't, to me, it's more like just like these are like songs, you know, these are songs that they're, we're like, uh, I want them to be catchy without losing their integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not trying to write like a catchy song for the sake of it. It's more like we went in and we're like, cool, we're going to do a bunch of records with songs. And we want to make sure it flows and we want to kind of like a song like the Pearl sort of leans into like, uh, like how far can we go into this thing? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in contrast with something like out of my time, that's a little more like, I got like a Stooges vibe. Um, but it's a little more chaotic. So it, I don't know. Like it was just kind of that we we were just like, let's write songs and and take a break from like this water for the frogs is so brooding. And so like heady Mm -hmm. to me that I needed like a refresher. 
Yeah. And things, it's like the way that I've, I've noticed, like, cause everything is always like staggered touring and releasing a record. So like, you know, we just did a tour for a round of applause. Um, and we've had the most fun playing like first record songs and a round of applause. So like my brain right now is like, Oh, cool. High energy jams. And when we were doing water for the frogs tour back in October, we were like in a different mindset because we were playing so many of those songs and Mm -hmm. had already done round of applause. So it was like refreshing to, to do, to go back and do those songs. So then we made record four that maybe is almost more of a companion to water for the frogs than it is for, for around a continuation of a round of applause, just because like our mindset was coming off of that tour even though round of applause is already recorded, it's, it's weird. Uh, we're always like ahead and behind. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that made any sense, but yeah. it sounds like a proverb or something. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some sort of mystical ancient truth in that. <laughs> well, you know, it's like, I remember seeing a band that band, the strange boys, they came to LA once and they just played, you know, a bunch of songs that, no one could hear or no one had heard before because it was all like new record stuff, even though they were touring their, you know, their first record. So Mm -hmm. as a fan of the first record, I was a little bummed mostly just because I wasn't familiar with the stuff, but uh, yeah, it's, I feel like it's always kind of like behind like that. There's such a lag with, with putting music out just like physically. So It's hard to, like you mentioned this kind of before, but like as far as like just like kind of recording something and almost making it not sit on your brain too long. I feel like that can kind of happen with like the live stuff too. It's like, okay, you're already moved forward mentally because you spent so much time and effort on this other stuff and then you move forward in your brain and then it's everybody in the crowd is still back here and you're like, well, I'm actually up here. Yeah, like that's just another weird thing I guess that happens probably regularly with a lot of different bands and trying to figure out how to navigate. That's kind of difficult. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, we're still figuring it out. So yeah. Yeah. We'll let you know when I get there. (laughs) Cool. And speaking of like being forward and behind and just to try to be present during a show, like do you have to put yourself in like a certain mindset to like, I don't know, be there in the song because you've played the song so many times or like mean the lyrics you're saying because, you know, you're in a different mindset of when you wrote them? Uh, Performance-wise, I feel like it's a totally separate entity. And it's, I don't, I guess there's a little less emotional attachment to like the lyrical content of the songs they're like written in a time and place. And then live to me should be like kind of its own. I, I, I guess I'm not sure how to answer the question uh, that you asked without going on a really long tangent about something. That's what podcasts are for. <laughs> well, I mean, before I, I lose my train of thought, uh, no, I don't really need to like, like get myself in a certain headspace live live is like the live headspace and more it's like it's about energy energy and flow uh more than like the the content of the lyrics or 
Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's secondary. That's stuff that's already been established on a record. So mm-hmm. it's really up to the person in the audience whether or not they're going to engage with that. Uh, I guess I have to sell it, but um, for me, it's like really about energy and about flow. Like I care a lot about set lists. I care a lot about like the momentum of the set. Uh, it's a performance and um, I like to do songs different live. Um, I like to do like deeper cuts, I suppose. Like I, I really like to, to keep things like fresh for us. Um, but really it's like, it's like when you see, well, yeah, I mean, you see like the Stooges or you see, hey, Iggy pop, like any, any kind of like high energy performance. It's like, it's just like beat after beat after beat. I saw the Stooges play back in, man, I can't even remember when it was. It's like one of the last tours they did. And it was like maybe 2011 or something like that. And uh, it was just relentless mm-hmm. and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And I find that like inspiring, just like the their energy, you know, like contemporary bands like like OCs bring that uh, in a in a little bit different of a way, but it's like right. it's all about just like and I don't mean that like every song's gonna be like manic and here, like we have a lot of mid-tempo songs, so we have to get kind of creative with how we flow the set because it's not all just like high octane like punk jams. We have to kind of like map it out and and i want it to feel like like i want the set to have like an arc you know Mm. i I get real nerdy with it and because i watch a lot of movies i like to think of things and like you know like beginning a middle and an end kind of vibe like i want it to feel a little more more thought out like by the end of the show you're like oh we went there you know Mm. yeah cool whether or not it's been successful is beyond me, but but that's what we're trying to do. Have you ever tried anything like really ambitious live that just like totally fell on its face? Oh yeah. I mean, we're probably going to experience that with this drum machine stuff. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah. I mean, I, there are songs where like, Oh, can't put that one at the end of the set because it can't hit those notes at the end of the show. Um, yeah, yeah. And like, uh, you know, like we 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 uh, we did a Hawkwind cover set at Levitation last October, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, it was like a Halloween show. We had like one rehearsal, and we just botched it super hard. <laughs> Uh, just like real real bad fuck-ups i broke a string right away like uh we had our buddy nolan potter was playing with us and mm-hmm. he like knows the songs like the back of his head and i was it was so embarrassing mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know if anyone could tell but oh, i could tell. right 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 yeah nolan's like this was your guy's idea like <laughs> yeah uh that was ambitious and i would consider a little bit of a failure (laughs) (laughs) that's good i don't know sometimes this is like every this sounds so cheesy but it is like such a when you do that when you 
fall on your face, whether or not people notice it or not, like it just helps so much. Like you, you learn so much from doing something and failing and then just like, whether that's preparation or that's how you like even play or interact with people. It's just almost like, it's just instant boot camp kind of stuff. So I don't know, at least yeah. there's that, at least there's that takeaway from. Oh, it's, it's very important to fall on your face every now and then. Yeah, it's good. You know? Yeah. That's why we do it regularly. Yeah. It's all strictly for the, for the learning. You know, people yeah. think it's not on purpose, but it is. No one likes <laughs> learning as much as we do. Yeah. We love to learn. <laughs> 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 well dude thanks so much for yeah. having me. i don't know we're probably getting there yeah towards the end here but i you know i really appreciate you hopping on here especially amid your uh rehearsals and everything that's pretty yeah cool. i'm sorry it's been so chaotic today and just right now this this week has almost been like worse than if we had just like had another week of shows and mm-hmm. just went straight to europe because like we're home but I can't really, I haven't been able to like go back to my job. I had like a wedding in the middle of it and oh, man, yeah, just it's a little chaotic. Uh, so I appreciate you guys being flex with your yeah. time. No, dude, it's awesome. We're really glad to talk to you and hopefully we, we get to, uh, I don't know, bump into you a levitation when you get, when you come out here, that'd be really yeah. cool. Guys are going. Yeah. Yeah, man. We're going to try and get out there, you know, rub elbows, you know, all that stuff. I got a lot, a lot of awesome shows. I mean, so many good shows. Guys, you guys just talked to uh, to Alex or which which of the Black Angels guys? Like Jake, the whole Jake crew. Yeah. The whole crew oh, was right yeah. here in our living room. We, yeah. we did work. Oh, we just, you guys are awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was fun. Right. Cool. It was nice to talk to him. I think Romero like showed up like what like forty minutes into the interview. We like fully thought like he's not coming, and then all of a sudden he's he's like, oh hey guys, <laughs> wait what? <laughs> so yeah, we got them all in there, but. Yeah, Jake, Jake is like a good friend. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a sweetheart. Cool, Very yeah. nice guy. Yeah, they were all super nice. That was really cool. So, but yeah, I mean, hey, don't don't be strangers in Austin and love to have beer with y'all for sure. Man. Yeah, man, that'd yeah. be cool. Be great. And uh, yeah, good luck with everything in your personal life. And it's such an exciting time in your career life, like your music career time. So, yeah, very cool, cool time, time to talk, talk to you. We were talking about like you know, I don't know stuff feeling like it's working and like the two shows we have at levitation are arguably like two of the biggest shows that you know it's two of the most important bands i think of a band like us to to be playing with and it's it's a real honor and a privilege and those shows are going to be nuts uh hope y'all can make it to one of them yeah yeah, man dude we're gonna gonna be like a seven piece band oh awesome (laughs) yeah It's it's gonna be wild Cool. No drum machine. No, so. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right well, we, uh, we always in the podcast the same way. Do you uh, have two songs that you would like to um, recommend to people that are like influential to you or just like an artist? If you can't think of like a specific song, we put them on our couch radio playlist on Spotify. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, give me one sec. Yeah. Take your time. Uh, Korea. Yeah, this is like the first Return to Forever. I would just say Return to Forever off of Return to Forever. Okay, cool. I haven't heard that. Perfect. It's Teddy. And then I was listening to this, uh, this Total Heat record. Um, okay. A local LA dude. Uh, yeah, Rock and Roll Star is the name of the song. Okay. It's like... I don't know. It's going to be like backwards, but it's, it's rock and then apostrophe N 
or no, rock and then an apostrophe roll star <laughs> okay uh yeah he's a ross and in, in total heat's like a good friend of mine and uh we we also have a project we plan together and uh he just put out this record and i think it's really great so oh, awesome. probably a little bit of an unexpected vibe uh compared to like a round of applause but you know i think contrast is nice yeah yeah definitely yeah. cool fantastic additions well thank you bert yeah appreciate yeah, it man. thanks so much man good luck with everything yeah and we'll see y'all in austin hopefully see yeah, you in austin see you man bye I'm having trouble right now trying to think of what Bert is short for. I know it's short for something. Bertram? That's a real name, right? Bertram. Um, Bertlington Coat Factory. That's probably it.